Hot doggity, diggity dog, boy, oh boy. This episode, this episode of Displaced Underdogs, what have I gotten myself into? Like, no joke, what have I gotten myself into? Uh, a can of worms, that's what. 110% a can of worms. So, let's start with a simple, hey y'all, welcome back to Displaced Underdogs. As always, I am your girl and host, Morgan. So, this week's episode is a bit of a doozy. And as I've stated in previous episodes, I am a former phone sex operator as my first introduction into the adult entertainment realm and in a former life um, I was also a dancer at quite a few clubs and a cam model for a hot minute and all of those were interesting experiences to say the least the phone sex operating company I worked for was owned and operated by women the clubs that I worked at were owned by men, but they always had at least one female manager that worked usually day shift. Um, and well, with cam modeling, there are ways that you can break away and work for yourself. All that aside, today's topic I have found is quite controversial, has many, many levels and layers and facets to it and not in the way folks expect it to be controversial but also in the way that people expect it to be controversial so and more often than not most folks are either super extreme sex positive feminists or ultra conservative christian religious extremists that are anti-sex positivity so today's episode is about sex positivity guys and I myself am neither a sex positive feminist or a anti-sex positivity person. I don't consider myself that. I think I am more mid-road if we have to put a label on it. Just because people and their labels, for some reason, like to label shit. But I'm more mid, mid-road, middle of the line. And as always, I am no expert, nor claim to be an expert, or even an authority. More curious and fascinated, and intrigued. And what spurred all this was watching one of my favorite YouTubers that I have a super personal tie to. Um, so I will not disclose their name or channel as much as I want to share them and give them a shameless plug not happening our lives intersect in a very interesting and compli complex way and the history there between us is between us and it's not all happy but it's not all bad again it's it's complicated to say the least but I digress 
So I was watching some of their newest episodes, or some of their more current episodes, I should say. And they happened to have an episode video where they talked about sex positivity. And I've been noticing that term used quite frequently. And I really, like, I knew about it, but I wasn't, it wasn't in my everyday conversations. So, me being the researcher type, I do what I naturally like to do when curious about something. I look into it and devour as much material as I can about it, usually online, because I'm broke as a joke, guys. Seriously. So, without any further ado, let's get into this. And if I offend you, just turn off the podcast and don't listen and don't follow. And I hope I don't offend anybody, but you can't please everybody. So, all that it said, sit back, plug in, and enjoy this super special first time posting in a long time episode of Displaced Underdogs. Enjoy! Not gonna lie, I need a cigarette and a fucking swift kick in the ass to start this. I am just a bit nervous about this episode, but I want to speak on it, so it's just a very touchy and controversial topic, that's all. And I'm not shy about my former jobs, one bit. In fact, most folks that go into any sphere of the adult entertainment industry try to keep it from their friends and family, but not me. I uh, told my parents what I was up to when they asked how I was and what I was doing for work back in the day. And I find that honesty is the best policy, or so I was taught, and I'm still learning that lesson from time to time. (laughs) Sometimes it's not always the best, but for the most part it is. And I was lucky enough to grow up in a household where I never really had to be careful with what I talked to my parents about. I mean, of course, there were certain things that I never told them because, you know, it's like, I'm going to be in so much trouble, but as soon as I move out of the house, I'll tell you everything. But for the most part, especially when it comes to this topic, I open communication always. And... I always figured, too, that it was better to tell them when they asked instead of them finding out from other sources. So, just saying. Now, that being said, let me just say, I am in no way sex negative, but I would not lump myself in the sex positive camp either. And having any kind of difficult, air quotes around difficult, conversation must be broached with respect and an openness. Like, a genuine and true openness 
not just people saying, I'm coming at this with an open mind. No, genuinely coming at it with a true openness, openness and a wanting to understand. And really, I find in this day and age, it it's very difficult to have a sensible, reasonable conversation regarding any difficult and con and or controversial air quotes around that um topic such as sex positivity but i'm gonna take a swing at it so batter up so let's get a little clinical for a moment for those of you that don't know what is sex positivity well According to our good old friend Wikipedia, it is as follows. It is a social movement and philosophical movement that promotes and embraces sexuality and sexual expression within an emphasis on safe and consensual sex. Sex positivity is, quote, an attitude, end quote, towards human sexuality that regards all consensual sexual activities as fundamentally healthy and pleasurable, encouraging sexual pleasure and experimentation. The sex-positive movement also advocates for comprehensive sexual education and safe sex as part of its campaign. The movement generally makes no moral distinctions among types of sexual activities, regarding the choices as matters of personal preference. And Wikipedia clinical explanation. Now, that sounds pretty... Okay. Okay. I can feel this. I can see where people agree. And it's not really bad. And for the most part, I, I do kind of agree with that explanation. I agree that there should be comprehensive sexual education and talks, talks and or further education on safe sex as well. We all know for the most part, safe sex as wearing a condom and birth control to help prevent unexpected pregnancies. I also agree with healthy expressions of sexual pleasure and experimentation and owning and exploring your own sexuality. But since sex is still a very taboo, awkward topic, because it's very private, and it's not even that this country was founded by a puritanical society at first. It's just more... There are, there's a level of class and a level of crass and they somewhere meet and merge in the middle. Like every coin, if you flip it up on its edge, meets in the middle somewhere. So, ugh. So, it's not a topic that's brought up in everyday polite society, if you will. And it is a complex topic and or subject. <clears throat> not all sexual experiences, now let's be clear here, not all sexual experiences are pleasurable or even memorable and can oftentimes be regrettable. 
so... Like... That being said... Let's also just preface this with saying, and not all people that claim to be sex positive are in fact as sex positive as they want folks to believe. And I'll get into that on the second half. This first half, let's just go about the positivity of of it. The whole positive part of the movement, I guess. And I think it's great that folks are becoming more open to having these conversations, even if they are just between yourself and your partner. I, I think it's a good thing to be encouraged to learn and know your own boundaries and encouraged to better articulate them because that's not always easy, especially when more often than not we're taught and kind of indoctrinated to not say no. And again, I think I've touched on this in one of my previous episodes, maybe not. But I mean, if you think about it logically and reasonably, I have said this to a psychologist once or twice, um, that like people have a hard time saying no. And I've, and I've noticed this. And this was after, of course, being a parent. And I'm like, because we're trained from a very young, young age that you don't tell your parents no and you don't tell adults in authority positions like teachers and cops no. You just were trained not to speak back, not to talk back and not to say no. And we're also trained and so when you're when you're training children to not say no. You're also training them to not have boundaries either or to be able to express those boundaries because, again, so at a very young age, before you go to school, especially since I have a soon-to-be two-year-old and a soon-to-be three-year-old and I've already gone through those stages, you teach your kids not to say no. And and then eventually you expand on it when they get older and you teach them when it's okay to say no and when it's not okay to say no. But for the most part, it's still, you don't tell them no. And then when you socialize your kids as well, like when you have playdates and stuff like that, you teach them to share. And because sharing is caring. And if they go to daycare, preschool, and eventually school, not only are they reinforced that they're not allowed to say no but then it's also enforced that you can't say no and you have to share and then it's reinforced throughout the years because I mean like especially in today's society I mean it was there when I was a kid growing up but in today's society it's it's gotten it's gotten even worse because we're not allowing, or at least in my personal opinion in our society today, it's gotten worse because, I mean, I get the idea of the yellow benches, which are, if a kid sits there, it means that they want to play with other kids, but at the same time, let kids be kids. And when kids go to like 
preschool or daycare or like in kindergarten and so on and so forth, like elementary school, especially the first two to three years, kindergarten to at least second grade into third grade as well, but primarily kindergarten, first grade and second grade, like they're you you share and you play with other kids and you make them feel included and wanted and that's great i understand that but at the same time no that's not no you're allowed to say no and you're allowed to not want to share and you're allowed to not want to play with people so with this whole inclusive thing how can you have boundaries Again, I said that I would stick to the positive. We'll go into the negative later. So, I mean, so I think it's great that part of this movement is actually encouraging people to think about and learn and know their own boundaries and and are encouraged to better articulate them. Because, again not always easy that there are a ton of folks out there that advocate for you to have these honest conversations with your partner or partners and that having these boundaries does not make you any less sex positive and I think it's good that it encourages people to be more open to explore different and new ways to have sex in their relationships that's what you want or are interested in and the only way to do that is by having these conversations with yourself and communicating with your partner or partners so like that's one thing that I really can get behind on the sex positivity movement it's also the exploration of your own sexuality and looking at more exploring different and new ways to not only better understand yourself and your boundaries and your own sexuality but also to dip out of your comfort zone and explore different avenues that you wouldn't think of so um Again, being a phone sex operator as my first introduction into the adult entertainment industry, more often than not, you'd be surprised, a lot of my calls, more often than not, were gentlemen, of course, that had fetishes. They didn't have any way to, they didn't feel comfortable communicating it to their partners, their girlfriends, wives, or even boyfriends. And they had some things that they were interested in, but they didn't want to be seen as weird or like they didn't want to turn off their partner. And they wanted to know like, Hey, how you seem like you're open and into this and trust me there were a lot of fetish fake it till you make it type deal and I actually because of that there was like a lot of fetishes that I was never or a lot of different avenues of sexual exploration that I didn't know about because at the time I was what 
19, 20 years old um, when I first dipped into that. And so I actually became almost like a counselor, if you will, and more often than not, just somebody to talk to and not necessarily ever go into that, ooh, yeah, mmm, ah, I like it like that, baby. No, like, more often than not, it's how do I get my girlfriend into this? You seem pretty open, and you seem like you know what's going on, and you seem like you know the bondage stuff, the foot fetish stuff, the this, the that, and you're non-judgmental. And it's like, and I had to play it off like, oh, yeah, totally, mmm. And it's amazing how even with cam modeling, it's the same thing. It's just like people get curious and they get into like they have these curiosities and these interests and they want to explore these avenues, but they don't really feel comfortable talking to even a sex therapist about it, let alone their partners, that they end up coming into the strip club or following a cam model or talking to a phone sex operator and before you know it you're you're like a fucking therapist almost because you're just like yeah no I that sounds interesting that and you know you might want to introduce your partner to it slowly this way and always always ask them like you know don't don't do the constant is this okay okay I'm gonna do this is this okay but, you know, check in with them every once in a while. Like, if they seem to be <clears throat> enjoying themselves, then go until they communicate or, like, go, ooh, and jerk away from you. Don't necessarily take that as a, ooh, you hit a spot. No, just every once in a while, you know, casually go, are you enjoying this? And be suave and debonair about it. Don't be like, oh my god, are you enjoying this? Did I do something? Are you okay? No, no. Just, are you enjoying this? And make them feel comfortable about that. So then that way they know that you can have, like, make them feel comfortable to be honest with you. Like, mm, are you enjoying this? Because then that leaves lines open for communication. Yeah, it's just, anyways... So, I think advocating for better and more comprehensive sexual education is also vastly important as well. And that a part of that education is a stress on knowing yourself and knowing your boundaries. And this is where it gets a bit complicated. A part of that sexual education should most definitely be for parents. And not just for sex ed class. Like, not just your... The students. It, it Educating parents on how to be better prepared for any questions their kids may have after having a sex ed class at school. Because, like, that's, that's the one thing that kind of piqued my curiosity. Um, I know that Aaron has talked to me about his sex talk from his parents the dreaded parental sex talk it's 
every parent's worst nightmare and it's every kid's cringe squirm and yet it's something that's vitally important and I realized that I grew up in a household that I was actually very lucky with my parents they were always pushing the envelope and the boundaries of my understanding of things and they always they they paid attention to what was going on in like my school and and like when these classes were hitting and they especially when it came to sex ed like um my first introduction to sex ed was fifth grade and that's when they sent home letters and they sent home forms so if your parents didn't want you to take it wasn't a permission form to take sex ed class it was more of um a form of if your parents were not okay with you being in sex ed then you sign the little waiver and you're excused i don't i think everybody in my class like nobody at my school actually had parents that signed the waiver to not have their kids in the sex ed class but either way fifth grade was my introduction to it and they split the boys and girls. Girls went into a different classroom. Boys went into a different classroom. Girls learned about our bodies and our changes. Boys learned about their bodies and changes. Sixth grade, they did the same thing the following year where girls split off and kind of had a recap. Boys split off, had a bit of a recap. And then there was like a day or two where we kind of boys and girls converged and we kind of got a basic quick rundown of how the boys bodies work how the girls bodies work and we learned about the other genders bodies if you will and like in a purely clinical anatomical sense and then of course seventh eighth and ninth grade they just kind of expanded on that. Like, this is where babies come from. This is what this... Da, da, da. Use a condom. Though abstinence is the best way. But if you do decide to have sex, here you go. And I remember that I could go home. And I didn't even have to ask my parents questions. They would ask me questions. And I would just talk. Because they would, they would ask me about my school. They were very very fucking covert about it and very awesome they just asked me about my school day and then they just started like oh so what did you learn today how was your day at school and then I would just talk about my day and I don't know I'm a weird person anyways and I was a very weird kid and I would just ramble on about my day and then I'd be like, oh yeah, and by the way, we had a sex ed class. Mom, is it true that this happens? I mean, you did mention two years ago that you were a heavy bleeder. So what is that? Is that the period thing that, that, that we got mentioned about? And she was like, oh yeah, no, that's totally. And I, I mean, it was open, honest communication with like my parents, but not a lot of people had that. And I realized that my experience is kind of abnormal most people have the um experience that uh Aaron had which was he had sex ed around the same time that I did his introduction 
and a teacher mentioned the word masturbation. He came home, he asked his mom about it, and his mom was like, ooh, that's a question for your father. And so by the time his dad got home, he had totally forgot about it. And then his dad comes and goes, so um, I heard from your mom that uh, you heard a word at school in a class and you had some questions about it. And Aaron's looking at him like, uh, the fuck are you talking about? And his dad did the normal, I don't want to come out and say it. Mm, this is awkward, uncomfortable. Um, it was, um, so you heard a word in, in a new class that you had and it started with an M and masturbation. And then of course it's like, oh, oh yeah. And the conversation basically went, so have you ever woke up in the morning and your penis was hard? Yeah. And you touched it and it feels good. I mean, it went along that line. And then, of course, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that's going to happen frequently. And uh, so when you touch yourself, that's masturbation. And it's like, oh, okay. And then, of course, you know, it's like, do any other questions? Or uh, it's like, by that time, it was already Aaron was picking up on the awkward vibes. And so it was awkward for him, too. And... And many people have that same story, like the, the YouTuber that I was talking about, watching her channel on it and everything. And so a lot of people just didn't really talk to their parents about this sort of stuff. So I think that if you're advocating for more comprehensive sexual education, that you should also push for more comprehensive education for the parents as well for like when your kids come and and how to approach these conversations and have these conversations or else then if it's an awkward conversation then what most people are going to do like what most kids do is you know they learn from their friends and <clears throat> the internet was still a relatively new thing and there wasn't a lot of like journalistic journals up there was more you type in masturbation and all of a sudden all these fucking porn sites just pew, 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 and then before you know it, you've got like your parents are mad at you because one, not only are you looking at porn, even though you're not really, or you were, whatever. Um, but, but then all of a sudden you're, he, you've got a virus on their computer and now the computer's crashed and fuck. So I, I am totally down with if we're going to not just have a more comprehensive, in-depth sexual education for kids, that we need to also have kind of an in-depth uh, sexual education for parents and, and how to be better prepared for those conversations. So, again, like I said, most folks I know never really got an in-depth sex talk with their parents. And mostly because our parents didn't really have an in-depth conversation with their parents. And also because most parents don't want to think about their kids having sex. I mean, <clears throat> it makes them seem like they're growing up. Which, I mean, they are. But, I mean, it, it really accelerates that, holy shit, you're growing up. And this is hitting me in the face. And 
oh my God, this day has finally come. Every parent's worst nightmare when your baby's no longer a baby. But, and and I mean, it, it is a hard pill to swallow as a parent because it feels like they're small kids for such a short time as is. So, and again, like I said, I myself was a bit lucky. My, my parents were pretty open. And if I had questions, they talked with me. It was always prefaced with, it was always prefaced with, when you're older, or when you're married, or followed with, but don't have sex until you're serious and or married, and always be safe. Like, always be safe. And, but not many, but not many people I know have had those conversations with their parents. So, um, my oldest has actually already asked about babies and where they come from. Be because he was old enough to be curious when I was pregnant with um, his younger siblings. And we always had a hard time finding sitters as he was... So he was um, at almost every OBGYN visit and actively witnessed his little sister and brother moving about during sonograms and hearing their heartbeats, which he thought was just like the coolest thing since Minecraft. It was so awesome. So seeing and being a part of a shift in culture and or society to be better educated and better prepared to have these conversations that are age-appropriate, stage-appropriate, not just with partners, but your youngins as well, is, is very important. So, I mean, anything that advocates for that, I, yes. Also, part of the sex positivity is embracing your sexuality and not judging another's is also a good thing and important as well. I mean, if you're a straight guy that wants to explore prostate play, but don't want to be looked at as gay, this is a great example of how sex-positive society helps cultivate that non-judgmental and exploration feel, and that it's okay, and you're not weird, and you're not gay. And, and if you're a female that has strong boundaries and you want to wait until you're serious in your relationship or married, that you're not approved or any less sex positive, that it is perfectly okay as well. And, and if you're learning who you are or know your sexual preferences, i.e. gay, lesbian, trans, bisexual, all of that, that that's okay as well. And there's nothing wrong with you. Like, we're all different. There's no one-size-fits-all cookie-cutter fucking mold that, you know, makes everybody happy. No, we're all different, and that's what's uniquely awesome and makes this wonderful tapestry that we call life and society and culture and interactions and relationships. But, uh, yeah. And the other part of sex positive. The sex positivity movement is, is also if you've had a traumatic or painful or regrettable experience, that there is hope, that there is healing and overcoming without shame, nor is there blame, that these are all just a few positives about 
sex positivity, but with everything, there is also negatives as well. And I will explain after I have a drink of water and that previously mentioned cigarette. And before I go into that and before I break off to go do that, like, again, like, um, that the whole educating for parents and whatnot, again, not only did a lot of us not have, um, actual sex talks with our, our parents, but then of course we get curious and we explore and, and I think that it's great to teach the younger generations, like, a more in-depth, comprehensive, this is what an STI is. This is what a sexually transmitted infection, because it's no longer an STD, it's an STI. Um, this is what an inf a sexually transmitted infection or disease is, and this is, like, you know, and the whole be safe, and... And the whole, like, birth control is an option and everything. Like, I think that's vitally important. But yes. Going to take a break from this. So, take this time to go to your happy place and <laughs> strap in. Teehee. Um... Because we're about to get into some of the negatives or I'm about to get a little critical of the sex positivity movement because it's not just all sunshine and rainbows and oh everybody like we're sexual beings and sexual freedom and everything's positive. No, we're about to go to the negative, the flip side of the coin where we were on the light fluffy side of the moon and now we're going to the dark side of the moon I guess so yeah I will be back momentarily as I prepare myself for this next part so yes again take this time go get yourself something to eat drink and watch a few cat videos on YouTube or dog videos if you're not a cat person or you're not a dog person. Either way, go watch something cute, fluffy, and get into that open, happy side. And we'll be back. Okay, and I am back. So, there's a lot of positives with the sex positivity movement. Sex positivity movement. Ba da 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 ba la. I mean, fucking positive is in the name, for fuck's sake. So, how can there be any negatives? Well, first off, let's just point out. That there is a thing called sex negative, also known as anti-sexualism. And anti-sexualism is opposition or hostility towards sexual behavior and sexuality. 
again, getting a little clinical with this, giving you definitions. Um, and that's what good old Wikipedia, Wikipedia has to say. Rebel Circus, what it means to be sex negative, which is what first pops up in a Google search, has a snippet that reads, sex negative feminism isn't necessarily about hating sex. People who consider themselves sex-negative feminists aren't generally people who hate sex. Rather, sex-negative feminism is about questioning sexual practices that sex-positive feminism might gloss over. More accurately, those that are sex-critical, which quite possibly you could toss me in this group if we have to fucking label everything. I mean, the sex critical, not the sex negative, and definitely not feminist. Like, gonna be clear on that. I might be female. I might be a woman. Naturally born so. And identify as. So a cisgender female, I guess? I fucking care. Like, if I die and somebody finds my fucking bones, the anthropologists are gonna go, this person was clearly female because look at the hips and look at the skull. And the fact that we can... Either way, that's a, that's a fucking topic for another day. Good God. This is why it's such a controversial topic, guys. And again, I honestly really want to talk about this. And I love talking about shit like this. But at the same time, I just get fucking squirmy McWormies in my tum-tums because, and, and kind of cringe because so many people, and it's usually the extremists. So many people are actually mid-road and fucking live and let live, say la vie. <laughs> Such is life. But it's the extremists that are like, oh, sex positive all the way, yay! And then ultra anti-sexualism sex negative it, no boo boo I say no sex it's as bad unless you are married like and it's always the extremists that make up about 10% of the fucking population but they scream the goddamn loudest and the squeaky wheel gets the grease I guess all the other wheels get fucking ignored because they're rolling just fine. But squeaky wheel, squeaky wheel, we gotta take care of you. So, I mean, that's just... Anyways. Anyways. So, to touch back on not all sex-positive folks are, in fact, sex-positive, as they claim, we have to be honest with ourselves. One truth is that not all of us have an easy nor simple relationship understanding of our own selves, let alone our own sexuality. And very few of us have had an easy and simple relationship with our own sexual experiences. And again, going back to that YouTuber that I mentioned that kind of spurred this whole thing on, not really having an in-depth sex talk, like, Having in-depth sex ed classes at school, fine. But when you go to ask the teacher something, usually the response, it, it's it's kind of... They don't know what they can and cannot say because of 
legality issues or backlash. And so they're just like, oh, they defer you back to your parents. And, and if your parents are unwilling to have, this is where I'm a little critical. Um, if your parents are unwilling to have that conversation, then you never actually get a full understanding or grasp of it all. And, I mean, again, I was really lucky that my parents were so forthcoming and open with information. If I had questions, yeah, it made them uncomfortable. And, yeah, they didn't like to think, you know, my sweet little darling girl that used to be in pigtails and fucking idolized Pippi Longstocking is now slowly turning into blossoming into a young woman before our eyes. And, of course, this is just a part of it. Yeah. Of course my parents were uncomfortable having these conversations, but they also knew that it was better to have these conversations or else then it kind of fucking cripples you. And and they didn't want they they just wanted the best for me. So I so again, I, I will fully wholeheartedly admit that I was super lucky. But I also full whole fully admit that not a lot of other people were. And because my parents, I was so lucky to have open parents that I could have conversations with that were uncomfortable and hard, even for me to have with them. It was awkward. It was cringy. But having that comfortable, you're going to judge me, but you're not going to judge me too harshly. And no matter what, you're always going to love me because of your mom parents and you guys say that so I believe you on that um I was very lucky that like my own first sexual experience was with a long-term boyfriend like we were going on we were almost we were at the two and a half year mark almost the three year mark before we wanted to take our relationship to the next level We'd been together all throughout sophomore year. I mean, we met eighth grade year. I thought he was the bee's knees. He thought I was the cat's meow, but we were always just kind of shy, awkward. And then I moved to Wisconsin for my freshman year. But then when I moved back, we ended up in the same, like, school district and went to the same high school. And then we were like, I like you. I like you too. Wish date. Okay. And... Yeah, it's high school and everything, but I mean, right before our senior years, like, we had been together from sophomore year up until a little into our senior year. And, and so when it was coming into that summertime, you know, summer love, oh, those summer nights, so wella, 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 like, we decided that we were going to take our relationship to the next level, the next level because at that time I loved him and he loved me not that we necessarily understood what love was but I mean for the most part from for for our age and whatnot the understanding of love was actually more rooted and based in what love is I guess and he never pressured me like and I guess that's where I lucked out too is that I never felt 
pressured. He never was like, oh, if you give me a blowjob, oh, if you touch my penis with your hand or your mouth, then I know you love me. And and I never pressured him, like, oh, if you just flick my bean and diddle me, then you love me. Like, no. We actually had conversations, and we were both virgins, and it was going to be our first time, and, you know, and we had read things and all that. I mean, I read the Claiming of Sleeping Beauty series by Anne Rice under her erotica pen name very good series, puts Fifty Shades of Grey to fucking shame, and technically, I think Fifty Shades of Grey is a modern, piss-poor rip-off of the Claiming of Sleeping Beauty series, but that's just me. Could be wrong, but, uh, yeah. Any hoozles. I was just, so, my first introduction, I lost my virginity to another virgin. We lost our virginity together. We had been together for a very long time. We had talked about it. We both had decided that this is where we wanted it to go. It was a mutual, um, consensual decision. And we had talked about safety measures. And I even remember having a conversation with my mom going, hey, by the way, and this is where my mom pulled a regular parent move that most of my friends know all too well. Um, when I told my mom, hey, so me and my guy are thinking of, like, we really love each other and we want to take our relationship to the next level. And so he's getting condoms, of course, because we want to be safe about this. But uh, I was thinking of birth control. And so I, I need you to take me to go get birth control. Get on that, you know. Don't, don't want any grandkids just yet. I want to graduate, you know, not be a statistic. And my mom was like, oh, this is real. This is happening. And she's like, oh, well, you know, God love her. <laughs> she was like, well, you know, you think you want to do that, but how about you just wait three months and we'll see where you're at in three months. Come back to me on that. Like, and of course, three months passed and I came back to her and I was like, yeah, no, still going to happen whether you like it or not. And if, if you're not willing to take me to go get birth control at, at this point in time and see, and this is where sex positivity is a good thing because my education on it, I didn't know that I could go without her consent and approval to get birth control on my own using her insurance. Which, when I was in, and see, and that's another controversial aspect to, this is where I get a little sex critical, because I could have completely, I was on my mom's insurance. I could have used her insurance to get on birth control, and she could see that something, that there was a claim on the insurance or whatever. She can, like, totally see that something, there was a doctor visit, there was something prescribed, but she could not ask because of HIPAA law, and it would be a HIPAA violation, even if I was fucking 13. So, on the one hand, okay, that's, that's okay and great for the people that don't get, yeah, but on the other hand, as a parent, it's just kind of like, whoa, whoa, whoa. 
Like, I, I get it. So, again, luckily, I was able to have that conversation with her. No, I did not get on birth control. Uh, we just used a condom. And, of course, did become a statistic. But I'll... Clearly, I don't have a 14-year-old running around. So, I'm, I'm sure y'all... That, that is a different episode that we'll go into. That, that I will definitely go into. Because that's something else that... Like, this is one of the issues that they gloss over. But this one is kind of a deep matter so but anyways but a lot of my friends and I was 16 when I lost my virginity my virginity so was my boyfriend at the time we were both 16 because we were both in the same grade a lot of my friends especially like this is where the sex positive the sex positive feminists irritate me because a lot of my friends that are girls, and even my guys that were friends, um, even my friends that were guys, like, here's the part that they gloss over. So everybody knows that, like, oh, teenage girls get pressured by guys into doing something that they regret and they don't like. They get pressured into having sex or doing sexual favors, like oral like fellatio oral sex and stuff like girls get pressured into it well but the thing that they gloss over is that guys get pressured into it too like guys get pressure from their other guy friends oh man did you see the tits on that girl uh don't talk about her that way like is that all you see is tits and ass like oh what are you gay man uh-huh. And if you think that shit doesn't happen today, you're fucking high out of your goddamn gourd. Because that shit still goes on. And and boys feel pressure just as much as girls do. Boys don't cry. Boys have to look super fucking fit. And there's a lot of pressures on them to have as many sexual partners because girls are seen as sluts and the sex positive movement is trying to break that down. Like if a girl has sex with more than just like a boyfriend and then her husband, then she's a slut. But a guy gets rewarded and like for the, but there's that pressure then like, the more girls you sleep with, the more experience you get, the more of a man you are. And there's that pressure to be, oh, alpha male, yes, I'm a man. And, and that pressure is still pressure, and it's still not okay. Because even guys regret their first, like, a lot of my guy friends have talked about how they regret their first sexual experiences. Because... Well, yes, it was physically ple- pleasurable. Sometimes there was a girl that liked them, but they didn't like. But, you know, why would you turn down a free fucking hand job? Why would you turn down a fucking uh, blowjob? Especially if your other friends and you know that your other guy friends haven't had that before. You're the first one, man. So why the fuck would you turn it down? Or, again, are you gay or something? And that still goes on 
to this day. It really does. And, like, why would you turn down pussy? Especially when they're teenagers. Especially teenagers. It's not just teenage girls that get pressured. It's also guys that, and then later in life, they have these regrets that they didn't treat the girls very nicely. And a lot of feminists kind of jump on that boat and like, yeah, see, guys suck. And it's like, no, I don't think you understand the pressure that they were feeling from their friends. And I can tell you that when I was in middle school, fucking seventh grade, eighth grade, there were pressure from like my friends that were girl, like some of the popular girls. The only reason why they were popular was because either A, they actually did have sexual experiences or B, they lied about sexual experiences. Like they said they had sexual experiences because it made them more attractive to the guys. Um, when really they didn't. And I just like, and so girls pressured other girls, like, you know, hey, oh, look at you, you're a prude. What are you, the Virgin Mary? Ugh, are you gonna be a virgin forever? That is so old school. This is shit that went on when I was, and anybody who says differently, either A, you went to a completely fucking different school, B, you just had your head in the sand and weren't aware. But, like, this shit does go on. This shit happens. So, <sighs> that's, so again, not all sex positive folks are in fact sex positive as they claim to be. And, and this is where a lot of us have very complex and complicated feelings and histories in regards to our own sexual experiences and sexuality. And society and culture play a huge role in this. Everyone presents themselves in many different ways, and we have many various different objectives that we want to achieve, which is why we present ourselves in many different ways. And I think a really good question is, how much of that comes from honest, authentic desire? That is the most powerful question that I read in an article and and I'll I'll cite them at the end of this but that was the most earth-shattering question because because it's true like how much of that comes from honest authentic desires true desires and not what we think like how we're supposed to be and not what we think other people if you let other people set your goals you'll never achieve them if you let other people set the standards for you you will always fall short of that bar so 
And and that's a truly tough question in regards to this topic due to the conditioning by our society and our culture and religious beliefs. And and I'm not going to soapbox about the patriarchy because again, look at the conditioning of males as well and the pressures that they face that we want to gloss over. Um and that of it in of itself is another episode, so what the fuck ever. But our media is saturated with how males and females should look, behave, and act. Women are hypersexualized while men are portrayed as sex driven party drinking good time seeking alpha males or dorky forever virgin losers women are supposed to be super sexy fit like you thin and fit and popular sex kittens or they're super geeky prudes that will end up as the crazy spinster cat lady down the street and and if you're not glamour or popular or sexy, then then there's something wrong with you. And if you're not alpha male Jason Momoa, ripped and rugged, can you really call yourself a man? Or Channing Tatum, pretty boy? And And then that is when body positivity collides with sex positivity and they both directly impact and affect one another. Which is just a dangerous combo, honestly. And and it's a it's just as dangerous as celebrating traditional body glamour standards in a society with obesity problems and and health issues in regards to problems with obesity. And and when you're glorifying non traditional body types that and again that's a whole conversation in and of itself but uh the point is there are are pressures on both males and females even in the lbgtq communities and when you throw social media into the mix there there's no escape there is no escape and then you get the wolves and sheeps clothing the people that claim to be sex positive but really are not (sighs) and they have this the faux progressive folks that know the language and the attitudes and they twist it all up and abusive folks are typically manipulative and they find their ways um, into these positive, really good movements and set them the fuck back. Like, you, you have abusive folks that, honestly, that, that twist it all up, that twist up sex, positive, sex positivity to get what they want from others. Example, I thought you were sex positive and all about exploring. And, and that's just sexual pressuring in the guise of progressive language or wording. And, and sexually objectifying others by be, sexually objectifying others and 
belittling and ridiculing people that just enjoy vanilla sex or folks that want a monogamous relationship or more partners or less partners isn't sex positive either. And only focusing on how young girls and women are objectified and easily pressured to have sex to prove they love their boyfriend, but never addressing the pressures young boys and men face from their peers and society isn't sex positive either. This isn't exactly a women's issue or an LBGTQ issue. It is an everyone issue. And also, sex-positive advocates for sexual education and bettering it, but sometimes it, it doesn't touch on educating one an, on another hard topic, which is something that I'll do an episode on, abortion. It, it's mentioned as a right a woman should be allowed to make, but even in progressive circles, it isn't really discussed in depth. There are a ton of folks left in the middle that aren't 100% sex positive, but nor are they 100% anti-sexualism, sex negative. And it just leaves most of us feeling displaced and confused and not allowed into the conversation unless we're going to soundboard and echo chamber back what you want to hear. I guess. And this breaks down communications, or it can. And more often than not, it does. It just ruins communication. It's like being the B in LBGTQ, in my personal opinion. Typically, there's all these resources for gays, lesbians, transgenders, but and queers, but bisexual folks often get kind of the shaft. Not gay enough for the LBGTQ community, but not straight enough for traditional society, usually labeled as just confused or going through a phase. And yeah, wow, let me just piss all over the extremists. Let me just piss off all the extremists in one go. (laughs) Smart move. Not my intention. Truly, I I just enjoy critical thinking and analytical thoughts. So I'm not sex positive, but nor am I sex negative. So, and some of the articles that I enjoyed and pulled from are everydayfeminism.com, 10 Things Sex Positivity Is Not by Miri Magalaveski. Oh gosh, I gotta sneeze. (laughs) I tried to turn away, guys. I did. But um, another one was www.thegoodmenproject.com. And like a dunce, I forgot to write down that damn article fucking name. Maybe I'll add it later. But of course, probably not. But I'll find it. And I might mention it. Uh, yeah, I'll find it and somehow sneak it in. And then, of course, Rebel Circus and Wikipedia. And I'm not affiliated with any of these sites, nor do I endorse them. Just citing some of my sources. But I think 
I'm going to wrap this up. So, because, you know, let me just be long-winded and piss everybody off, you know? Uh, so, in closing, I think the sex positive... The sex positivity movement is a great start to knocking down some social stigmas and getting a better conversation started. But it still has a ways to go, like all things, and it will evolve like most things in this world. As always, I hope you all enjoyed this episode. I enjoy your continuing support and patience. So please feel free to reach out and follow along. Reach out to us here via email at displacedunderdogs at gmail.com or like and follow us on Facebook at Displaced Underdogs Podcast. Uh, you can also follow us on Instagram at displaced.under.dogs or head on over to our Patreon and listen and catch new episodes here on Anchor or Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, PocketCast, Radio, Public, Stitcher, or Apple Podcasts. Holy cripes, that's a lot. Yeah, just, just find us and listen to us. That's perfect. And, like, next week, let's, um, after this, this episode, I think, I think next episode is, is gonna be light and fluffy with maybe an update on the move and the new place maybe not we'll see and other randomness you know um and i would enjoy an eventual put together question and answer episode so send me questions and i'll answer them again i hope you all enjoyed and i hope you all reach out stay safe and i'll speak at you later bye